You have to really work at it and say, do I want to be part of faith that's easy, that's seasonal, that just works because, well, it's easy? Or are you going to be committed to this for the lifelong faith journey? You've got to decide that now. And you've got to live in the now differently. Do not take this season for granted. I know I have some of you here maybe a year, maybe two. And then you're gone. You go to a different place. You're sent off somewhere else. You go to the Pacific Northwest, the South, the Middle East. You go all over, different kinds of places. Hey, welcome to Night Church, the Friday evening service of Praxis, the young adult ministry of the Loma Linda University Church. You're going to be hearing some great sermons, testimonies on this podcast that are going to encourage and deepen your faith. We are so excited that you're here, and I hope you enjoy this sermon, and so much so that you share it with someone that you love. Welcome. Good evening, everyone. Come on now. Good evening. Happy Sabbath. That's what we say around here. Happy Sabbath. If you're new to this Adventist community, you're like, man, what do you mean happy Sabbath? You'll know. You'll know. I look forward to it every weekend now because I'm an adult and not a kid. And I like having a moment when I can just really enjoy being around my family, when I can really enjoy a good nap. When I was a kid, my parents would force me to lay in the bed. Hated that. Now I look forward to it. Well, also, I look forward to spending this time with you in this series. The old guard is dying. It's an ominous word, dying. I spoke about dying this week on Wednesday. I'm not going to necessarily spend a lot of time more on dying, but I'm constantly thinking about it lately. I think about it more because I have children, two, two and a half year old, one year old. So we're like, man, you're married? I've been married 12 years. I got married when I was five. <laughs> Just kidding. I was 22. My wife was 20. Kind of young. I know. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. But we, I remember Elaine and I, we were probably in our, man, I want to say like first year of marriage, maybe like first week. And we were talking about dying and missing each other. We were kind of being really sappy. And if you weren't here, oh my gosh. And we just started crying. Like literally crying. Like, oh my goodness. And then we got in our first argument. And you're like, can't wait for you to leave. Like, that would be awesome. <laughs> Well, I also ponder death in a different way now as well. Because I wonder what my legacy will be. I wonder what will follow me. I wonder what my children will be like when I'm not there to constantly tell them what to do. I also wonder what my legacy will be at this church. What will last? We're all passing through as pastors. None of us is permanent anywhere. But neither are you. 
you're not permanent in your state right now. Some of you are like, I cannot wait for this state that I'm in right now to be done. School, I'm done. Singleness, I'm done. The time I've been at my house and when I need my own apartment, I'm done being at home with mom and dad. I need my own space. I'm done with this roommate who smells and doesn't clean. I'm done with this. I'm done with that. Sometimes you're done with certain states of being. But the reality is, when you think about the furthest and the last state of being, when you're on your deathbed, I appreciate so much what you said, Sarah. I've been in those spaces when you're with someone who's literally on their last breath and they recount their life and they start to tell you about their children and who they are and what their biggest hopes were for the future that weren't realized and they tell you about the regrets. I remember one day being called to a room and a woman was passing away and she looked at me and she recounted one of her greatest regrets. She said, I don't, I don't think God will ever forgive me. Why? What happened? She was in her late eight, 80s. And she said, when I was a young 20-something-year-old girl, I had an abortion. I've been carrying this for 60 years. When you look back at your life, some of you are like, dude, I'm only 24. What do you mean when I look back? I've got so much to go. And yet the problem is you have no idea how many days you have left. I just had the funeral of a 29-year-old this week. 29 years old. You have no idea. So many times we think we are invincible. We think time will go on forever. I remember when I was a young boy and I'm like looking at teenagers like, I will never get that old. And I become a teenager. I will never get to my 20s. I get to my 20s, I'll never be 30. I'm 35 this December, on the 5th of December. Just want you to know, okay? <laughs> I'll tell you my address if you have anything nice you want to bring. If you don't have anything nice, I will not tell you. But I'm getting older and I'm realizing that as I get older, I definitely get more bald. That's for sure. It's really starting to recede. But I also start to think about other things. I start to think about my legacy. What do I want to leave behind? This series is about those who are about to pass. Those who are about to leave in their final words. It's also a series about the reality that there are some who are older, ahead of us. The rocks of our faith who've held our families together, held our churches together, held our communities together, passing away. But there's also those people that we've looked up to that are falling away. Do you know where I'm going with that? People that we look up to that have literally failed us. People that we said, this is my spiritual guide in this life. This is someone that I want to admire, that I want to become like. And they fall away from faith. They make the most foolish decisions. And you're left with this reality. What do I do with this? How does this make sense anymore? Is my faith even real? We encounter our series in the book of 2 Timothy. We did 1 Timothy actually almost a year ago now. And now we're in 2 Timothy. 
2 Timothy is the final epistle of Paul. It's his last words. This is his second imprisonment in Rome. Literally, scholars believe that this was the reason why he got into prison. This crazy emperor, Nero, Caesar of Rome, starts burning down half of his city. Psychologists and psychiatrists that studied the life and history that surrounded this man literally believed he was insane. And as they recount it, they also tell that Nero didn't want to be blamed for it. And so who did he blame? The Christians. And now a great persecution emerges. And it's potentially that this is the reason why Paul was imprisoned. He was an outspoken advocate of Jesus. This radical cult called the way at the time. The ones who would follow the way of Christ. And so because of that, he was imprisoned and there in chains, the text that we're going to read points to the fact that he's writing while chained, writing in his old age, writing to his protege. This was a young man named Timothy who was on his first missionary journey with Paul. They had gone through the regions of Turkey and modern day Greece and they stopped in the various islands and they landed in this one port city, Ephesus. And there in Ephesus, Paul commissioned, laid hands on Timothy. There's a power when we lay hands on people and pray over them. There is power that goes through. Truly, I believe that the power of God works through you. Some of you don't realize the power you've been given. The Bible says, all authority has been given to me. And what did Jesus say? You will do greater. What? And there, Paul commissions Timothy and beckons him, go, minister to these people, become a church planter in this community, and may the seed of Christ blossom in this place. And so these final words, the, as this old guard, this man of faith, the pillar of Timothy's life is dying, he now speaks these last words. And this is where we put now our thinking cap on. Jump in there with me in 2 Timothy chapter 1, and we begin. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, in keeping with the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dear son, grace, mercy, peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord, I thank whom I serve as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. He says there an interesting thing. He says he's following the faith that his ancestors did. Paul is in the line of people who were faithful. Paul is in the line of people who were willing to say, I will make sure that faith goes on beyond me. I will ensure that faith not only lasts my lifetime, but then those who will come. I've been reading through the Old Testament this season. I'm, I'm struggling to get through the whole Bible anymore, guys. I used to be able to do it every single year. Now I'm just praying I can get through, like, the books of Moses. Having kids has just done a number on, on my walk in the, with the Lord in the morning. But I'm, I'm grateful where I'm at. I'm reading the book of Deuteronomy, and there I heard the words of, of Moses kind of speaking out this, this understanding of 
And may faith last to your children's children. And may you ensure that your children's children know God. May you ensure that your children's children. And there's this continued repetition that faith not just lasts your lifetime, but beyond you. Everything I know about young adult ministry is an unfortunate reality. As I'm studying all of these different classes about spiritual development among young adults and reading books about that for my doctorate right now, I'm reading about this one unfortunate reality, and that is that most young adults, and I don't think that that's necessarily the case here, but most young adults actually could care less about faith. People say, oh, no, no, they're not religious, but they're spiritual. That's actually now a misnomer. No, they're not even spiritual. They might believe in spiritual things. They might believe also in vampires. Ridiculous. <clears throat> but they are not even spiritual any longer. I remember going to a restaurant with a buddy of mine when we were kind of young, kind of uh, doing what's called task force mission work. Spent a year of my life just leaving college and just serving in a community in Washington. And, and there we were at this diner. And I'm sitting there with the waiter, really cool guy. We got to get to know him, Gary. And we had such a good time with this dude. We would literally wake up in the middle of the night or couldn't sleep. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go see Gary at Sherry's Diner. And we start talking to him, and uh, he finds out we're youth pastors at this church. He's like, youth pastors? What are those? And we're like, wait, what? You don't know what a youth pastor is? And then all of a sudden, I'm like, do you know who Moses is? Moses? What? I'm like, no, wait, wait, you don't know who Moses is? Who's Moses? You begin to realize that there is a religion. This was a young guy. You begin to realize that the world outside of church is actually not that knowledgeable about things of faith. And you begin to realize that most young adults just care about how can I get a good paying job? That's unfortunately the newest thing. It's no longer how can I serve a community, but it's about how much money can I make in the career I'm going to go into. How can I find someone that I'm going to love and cherish for the rest of my life? That's important. And how can I find a community of people that I can do life with? I'm going to become just the best version of myself with a bunch of people that I enjoy. But the question of faith actually doesn't even find itself on the top 10 priorities of young adults anymore. It's a new generation. Some of you might sometimes find yourself in that space. You're just like, dude, if I have time, I'll find some time for God. If I have time, I guess I could maybe pray or read the Bible. I mean, maybe. 90%, high 90s, of young adults don't read the Bible even once a month. And so where do we find ourselves, you thinking about the words of Moses, now the, the word of, of Paul here, that he followed the faith of his ancestors, is faith going to even last beyond this generation? Is faith even going to go beyond you? Will someone know about Jesus in your lineage because of what you believe right now? Will you last the long term? Will you have seasonal faith? Or will you have lifelong faith? It's a big difference. Huge difference. 
If you're in this whole thing for seasonal faith, well, this is where I'm going to find someone, I guess. This is just kind of where people are and I need community. Uh, this is just kind of the thing to do on Friday night because I'm bored. This is kind of the thing that happens because my mom and dad just made me do it every weekend. I just, I'm going to just go there. I'm going to be around people, I guess. This is what I'm going to do. Well, when you move out of these Mecca centers of lots of young adults and you go out into the real world of rural America, spend some time there, there's not a lot of community. There's not a lot of people that are like-minded always. You have to really work at it and say, do I want to be part of faith that's easy, that's seasonal, that just works because, well, it's easy? Or are you going to be committed to this for the lifelong faith journey? You've got to decide that now. And you've got to live in the now differently. Do not take this season for granted. I know I have some of you here maybe a year, maybe two. And then you're gone. You go to a different place. You're sent off somewhere else. You go to the Pacific Northwest, the South, the Middle East. You go all over, different kinds of places. And so right now in this season, you have to be in the mindset of build. I'm building. And you're not just building your resume, friends. You're not just building your educational credentials. You're not just building more letters at the end of your name. You're not just building more friendships with people. You've got to have a mindset. If faith is going to be important to you, if you're yearning to see that one day your children's children might know Jesus and love him and follow him, you've got to live like that now. There's got to be a difference in your life. Here Paul looks at him and he says, I am reminded of the faith of my ancestors, of which I follow. Now, there are different ancestors in every family. I have two grandfathers, one who I never met, and one that I saw only once in my life that I can remember. My father's father. Amazing man. His name is Chedomir. He was a very religious man. Loved church. Loved studying spiritual things. Loved reading, thinking, pondering about God and the universe and just anything that there was that be about spiritual matters. He was a Serbian Orthodox. He also helped with his father build the Serbian Orthodox Church in our local village there in Serbia. Our family came from a very religious group of people. Now, my mother's father, also very religious man, loved the Lord, cared about his family, cared about Jesus, cared that faith would last a lifetime. He was a pastor. This one on my dad's side was a farmer. This guy here also, though, harbored the truth of everything he believed in his life. It actually came out in his life. He lived like a believer. This grandfather, this wonderful Orthodox man who loved faith, just loved it because it was interesting to him. 
loved it because you just found it fascinating. But if you asked, did he actually live it out? Hmm. That's a completely different question. Who are you going to choose to be like? Because the difference is going to be very serious. The text goes on and tells us some more words about Paul and what he has to say for his young protege. Verse 6. For this reason, oh sorry, verse 4. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice. And I'm persuaded now lives in you also. Oh. You see, Timothy comes from a line of people that actually believed and lived it out, a genuine, heartfelt faith. A faith that lived in his grandmother, a faith that lived in his mother, and a faith now that lives in him. The question we here see, though, is why doesn't he talk about his dad? Where's Timothy's dad? Yeah, that's the question many of us ask about many of our own fathers. Where are our fathers? Where are the men in church? 60% of the church, and in some places even more, are female. You're talking about millions and millions of men who are sitting on the side in passive, uncaring, apathetic life to faith. Men who do not find their need to be fulfilled by a church community. Men who do not serve and bend the knee to the armor of God. Men who are still boys. Men who are still immature. Men who are still in their mother's homes, sitting in the basement playing video games every weekend. Men who do not have a direction of the kingdom in their life. Men. I mean, boys. This guy came from a line of some strong women. I have a strong wife. Amen. I am grateful that this woman will be an example to my children. Because they will know what a faithful woman of God looks like. You know how I knew i got to tell you this. I'd never seen my wife, actually, in the flesh. And we had been communicating for a good three months via email. One email a week. I know, it's crazy. No text messaging. None of this, like, instant flame. We talked all night long. <laughs> Man. I put my passion and soul into those emails. I wrote one a week. Anyways, laughing at me. Anyways, you know how I knew who she was when I saw her the very first time? She was, I know this sounds ridiculous, but it really happened, okay? She was coming to the school that I was at that, doing that youth pastor task force thing. And uh, she wasn't even in the band, but she wanted to go there just so she could kind of meet me. And I was like, Elena, you don't even play any instruments. I know. 
I'm just going to help them do what? Something. <laughs> and there she was. She was carrying a Bible and a John Piper book. You know, John Piper is a theologian. I mean, this woman was a woman of God. She has the seed of faith planted in her deeply. You see, I am resting assured that if I should pass, sadly, any time now, my children will know Jesus, love Jesus, worship after the Lord because their mother does. But will their father, and will many of our fathers, book of Acts tells us who his dad was. Acts chapter 16 and verse 1, it tells us here the very picture of who his dad was and who will take a moment to think about his mom. Paul came to Derby and to Lystra where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. He was a Gentile, an unbeliever. Now, it's possible, it's possible that maybe she came to faith in Jesus after they had gotten married. That's possible. And so we'll give her an out for a moment. But it's also possible that she compromised. See, that's the difficult thing. When you're a woman of God in a space where you just see either cowardly men or you just don't see any various kind of men that you would like to be married to that are strong, just men of God, and then you compromise. That's possible scenario. The other possible scenario is that this guy was a Greek believer as well, but the text doesn't say that. And so most likely it's that he was an unbeliever, someone who didn't put their trust and faith in Jesus. Some of you have parents that are like that, and you're feeling really like ashamed and you're bummed and you're like angry and you're frustrated. I've talked to some of you about this. I don't want you to feel like that. What I want you to do is I want you to pray for your dads. I want you to beseech God for your fathers. I want you to beseech God for your maybe unbelieving mothers. I want you to beseech God for yourself. The text is really clear here in, in 2 Timothy that he came from a line of strong mothers. But what else did Paul tell him? He said, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying of my hands. For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. The Spirit of God gives us love, power, and self-discipline. I want to leave you with this idea of legacy. Leave you with an understanding of what will your legacy be. When I was a man... I want to say probably 15, 16 years old. I was sitting there in my dorm room asking God, what will be my legacy? And I told the Lord, I told the Lord this. I want to be like Moses to help my people out of bondage. 
I believe right now we are in a time when so many of you are serving under Pharaoh. You're serving under the taskmaster of more production, more looks, more likes, more this, more that. You're serving under the pressure of the constant urge and need to produce something, to be loved by people because of what you do as opposed to who you are. And Paul reminds us here at the very end, here of this section that we're going to look at, no, the power of God that comes upon you is a power that is from me because of who I am for you, apart from your deeds and works. If you think about your legacy, I want you to think about this. Think about a legacy that is built and founded upon Jesus and trusting him, living and modeling your life after him. Paul goes on to tell Timothy, listen, remember the word that I gave you. Continue to follow it. Don't let yourself fall astray to heresy, to untruthful things. Listen, along this journey, you're going to see people that are going to let you down. Several of my good friends who are pastors literally had some horrible fallings away. Divorce. One guy cheated on this person, another on this person. One just completely left everything theologically. What am I to think? People I looked up to. One guy, man, literally, I believed I could study and achieve so much because of him. He came to medical school here. He was an elder at at a great church in the community here. I mean, he was a powerhouse spiritually and academically. This guy became and is now a phenomenal surgeon. But he also cheated on his wife. He also now doesn't even believe in Jesus. Literally left it all. This guy was a rock to me. Now what am I to think? What am I to think? Does it mean now that faith doesn't matter anymore? Because look at him. No. No. That's what I want to encourage each and every one of you now as I leave here and give you my final word for tonight. No matter who is dying or falling or failing away, May your eye be as Paul tells us here. With sincere faith. Sincere faith. That your grandmother had. That your mother had. I want you to look deep and back into your past. Some of you are first generation strong believers. And you're setting a new path. But for the rest of you. I want you to remember the heritage that you've been given and cherish it. Live into it. Love it. Paul tells him here, listen. I am not ashamed of the gospel. Some people are ashamed of me even, he says. He's in chains. He's an embarrassment to everyone around him because he lived out his faith radically. I want to be an embarrassment to people because I lived my faith authentically and truthfully under the audience of one person and one alone, Jesus. Not caring what anyone else thought. If I put up my boundaries, hey, this is, I don't do that. Oh, you don't? No. I don't care about that anymore. I don't care what people think. I'm starting to get to a courageous season in my life when I'm just like, Lord, I'm following you faithfully. 
Lord, I don't care what people think anymore. If I'm sitting here in worship and I'm praising God, lifting my hands, I don't care anymore. If I see someone doing something that I don't want to be part of and they kind of want me to be part of, I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not part of that. And neither should you be in that. You know better. And I don't care if they feel judged because the truth is it judges you. Truth always judges you. And I hug them and I pray with them and I love them. I'm going to be with you, but I want you to know that's not okay. And you need to be living up to that as well now. Let's leave the immaturity in behind. Men, act lovingly, compassionately, but also be leaders again. Women, do not compromise to any man around you. And women, you are amazing, powerful, spiritual foundations of the church. Many of our leaders here who make things happen are women. I'm grateful for this community. We're celebrating six years as a Praxis community this month. Tonight, we're going to do that after this. We're going to have some good food. We're going to have cake. We're going to laugh. We're going to sing happy birthday to Jesus and Praxis. But it is because of women who have made this thing last and some incredible guys as well. I'm grateful that we have both men and women who serve Jesus here. And I want to encourage you, if you're not serving somewhere, start doing it. Get plugged in. We'd love to have you part of this team. Let sincere faith last a lifetime in you. Hey, thank you so much for joining us for the Night Church podcast. We really are excited for where we're going, and you can help us in that mission. There's a few things that you can do. Number one is just stay connected. So if you want to follow up what's going on in the young adult ministry here at Loma Linda University Church, follow us on Instagram at Praxis Ministry. And then the other way to really build from this is to financially contribute. Your donations make such a big impact. And so if you go to lluc.org slash give, you can connect with Praxis Ministry there on a one-time gift or a reoccurring commitment. It makes such a difference. Well, we love you, care for you, and may God bless you richly as you take theory and make it into practice.